0: of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself as a dentist, I really want to get my team some great training on how to deal with these difficult, patient questions, especially when it comes to the phone. And then your next question would be, where do I find great training like that? Well, today we're going to bring it to you. We did a webinar recently with one of our amazing coaches. Her name is Miranda Beeson called the top 10 phone skills for tackling the toughest patient questions. Here is part one of the webinar. Please listen to this and please share it with your team members. I know you'll enjoy it. We'll see you soon. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And why is this webinar or this particular segment so important?
1: I'm really excited for this webinar today my history in the practice was as a hygienist originally and then i transitioned to the front office i worked in the front office and then i worked as a dental office administrator for several years and i had no idea how many challenges could stem in the administrative realm from the phone and how important that piece of the puzzle is like it's the first piece of interaction that someone has with our organization so Enhancing phone skills is just going to elevate our customer service level with our patients. New patients, really important because it's the first in the first moments they're learning about who we are and then continuing to grow and trust with our existing patients, building loyalty and then slowly practice growth over time. You know, the phone for our dental teams to be equipped to deliver excellent phone skills. We have to have tools. Yep. When we talk about e minus r equals c at ACT quite often, and if someone's frustrated with the the they're listening to recordings and what they're hearing on the other end of those phone skills, or they're not sure their administrative team is up to par, or maybe you're an administrative team member who just wants to do better, you you're only going to get better if you have the tools, the techniques, the learning, the education, the verbal skills to help you improve and to be more confident when you're delivering interactions, especially over the phone with our patients. So our goal is going to be to focus on building rapport, focus on what some of those tools, techniques, some of the skills might be to help with effective communication strategies.
0: Yeah. Two things I'll just piggyback on that is number one, if you answer the phone in a dental practice, you don't represent the practice. You are the practice. Like if I don't know you. So I don't want to add any extra pressure, but I also want to call out how important this role is. Now in the same vein, I'll say, I'll say this about admin team members. A lot of them, I have a special place in my heart for them because they are the most undertrained segment in all of dentistry. And you know who you are. If you're a dentist, listen to this. You hire a great admin team member. You say, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Go. And the team member goes, where? Go up front. And then you as an admin team member get no training. You get thrown right into it. And you sit next to somebody at the front who's been there for 20 years. And she looks at you and says, welcome to the jungle. (laughs) We're going to figure this out together. And that's the truth of training. So our goal here is to add some support and clarity to this role. And there's a huge lost opportunity. Tell us about that.
1: So again establishing rapport is a main piece. Another point to what you just said too is like administrative roles are sometimes the only role that someone could have no dental experience and come into the office. So it is really important for us to support them. And a big piece of it is feeling confident. If we're not confident then we aren't going to guide that patient properly and deliver an experience for them that takes our care to an elevated level, our brand, our reputation to an elevated level. So There's a statistic that 60% of new patient calls don't convert to appointments. And a lot of that just comes down to the receptionist or the administrative team member on the other end of the phone, not having the confidence or the tools to know how to close that call, how to ask for commitment and really move things forward. And if we're waiting for the patient to drive that call forward, they don't know where to go either, really. That's what they're reaching out to us for. So... If we can provide the tools and the language and the confidence to help support administrative team members to guide those patients into their appropriate appointment path, then that's amazing. One of the things that we talk to with clients a lot is having new patient paths, knowing like, new patients come into our office in three different ways, comprehensively, through a general hygiene path, or possibly through an emergency. And knowing as an administrative team member, when I'm on the phone with a new patient, I've been set up for success to be able to know how to guide a new patient into the right path and how to ask them for closure and then make sure we get that appointment on the schedule and that we're going to be able to meet their needs and expectations. Yeah, yeah.
0: totally agree. One thing I'm going to ask you guys to write down, and this applies to all aspects of your practice, the more you do up front, the less you do later. That includes the phone. So somebody who's really well-trained can create a ton of value and it reduces the friction as they enter your practice and get to know you. And actually they could come very well-prepared and it can elevate the level of value they have for who you are and what you do. And it's brilliant. So don't underestimate the power of training somebody really well. Now today... A lot of times, people ask us for just tell us what to say. We're going to get the thinking and the skills right because we are going to have follow-up webinars and education on what to say on specific scenarios, and we'll cover a little bit of that today. But what you really need to do is be equipped with the skills. And so today, we're going to cover ten points in, uh, you know, first impressions, building rapport, creating confidence, and then communication techniques as well as asking the right questions, how to handle patient data management, how to actually execute the follow-through, the commitment and confirmation, handling different, difficult calls, and then navigating the you know the cancellation calls. Anything else you would say about what we're going to cover today, Miranda? I think,
1: I think you hit the nail on the head that the foundation is so important and the mindset is so important. We say all the time we have to start with why. So if we just jumped in and said, say this, say it like this, do it this way, but you don't really understand why you're doing it that way and what the value to the organization is and to the patient is and to your team. So we're going to focus a lot today on the skills and the tools and techniques that really set the foundation and the mindset for administrative team members to be really confident and capable on the phone. And then, like you said, we'll come back to more of those questions around that that challenge us, that stump us on a regular basis. But we're definitely going to get to some of those here in the mix as well, Um, particularly when we get down to handling difficult difficult calls. And one of the biggest ones that we see with teams is navigating cancellations.
0: 100%. So let's jump right into it. Number one skill up front, first impressions.
1: Yeah, I just would say this to anyone listening. Like, just imagine the last time that you called a company... Uh, maybe it was your med- a medical provider, maybe you were making a hair appointment and they picked up the phone and just sounded miserable and asked to put you on hold. You know, you're immediately discouraged and thinking, and man, my friend recommended this, you know, hairstylist, but I don't know how I feel about this just based on that 0.5 seconds of greeting that I received. So patient perception begins with hello. It's in the first instant. If you said no other words than hello, they can tell on the other end if you're smiling, if you're happy, if you're frustrated. And let's be honest, there's 17 million things going on in the front office at all times. And sometimes we are a little frustrated that we see the phone ringing and we have to pick it up. And so we have to know that foundationally from a mindset standpoint, it is the most important thing that you're doing because within fractions of time, you're creating an experience for that patient that's going to live on forever in terms of their lifespan in your practice. So that first instant is important. Yeah, go for it. That was perfect.
0: Well, and I was also going to say this, you you know, we're going to give you a couple of phrases to use. And I'm so glad you called, but I want you to explain this phrase, but here I'm probably going to get in trouble and I don't care anymore because I'm just getting older. But here's the deal. Somebody that answers your phone, they have to want to answer the phone. So many people are put into these roles and like, oh gosh, and they see the phone as a nuisance. It's a challenge. I don't enjoy it. The person who answers your phone has to have two things. They have to have a great phone voice and an excellent disposition. And they got to want to talk to people if they don't have that, they're not eligible for the job. It's kind of like hiring a hygienist that doesn't have any arms. You know, I feel bad, but we need somebody that can actually do the work. Now, that's a terrible analogy, but there are so many people I'll call a dental office and this is what I get. (laughs) Thank doctor's office. And I'm like, oh, this is so fun, you know. People have to have the voice and the disposition and the willingness because we can tell you what to do, what to say, give you all the skills. You got to want to succeed in this role, right?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that you've shared before that kind of takes us slightly off path is around hiring and finding that right person. And if you're hiring someone who's going to be answering your phone, a great step in that interview process is, hey, give us a call at this number leave us a message and let us know why you feel like you'd be a great fit for this role. And now you can hear in that moment, the same thing that your patients are gonna be hearing if that person's answering the phone in your practice. If you get a voicemail and it's atrocious, we probably aren't gonna even offer them an interview in person because that's not what we wanna hear on the other end of the phone. But if someone's leaving a warm, welcoming message, maybe their voice is elevated, you can tell that they like to chat, they're engaged, Absolutely, I'm going to welcome you into the practice and invite you to come in for an interview. And I think it's exactly what you're saying with this key phrase of I'm so glad you called. You have to genuinely be glad that these patients are calling, you know, and that's a mindset thing. Patients aren't a nuisance. We are here to serve them. Sometimes it can feel like we are just so busy that, like, one more phone call is just an interruption in our day or in our agenda of what we're trying to get accomplished. But in reality, the most important thing in our practice are our patients. That's what fuels our profitability. That's what allows our doors to be open every day. And ultimately, we're here to serve. We're here to provide a service and to be for them. And so we have to be glad that they called and we want them to feel that. So key phrase number one is as simple as, thank you so much for calling Dr. Awesome's office. My name is Miranda. I am so glad you called. How may
0: I help you today? Yeah, here's the challenge. You as an admin team, be so good. And dentists, give your team member the opportunity to be so good that when the patient comes in, the patient says, you should give her a raise. She is really good. That's when you know you're, and the other thing I'll say this too, you should be getting regular compliments. People should be reaching out to you, talking to you, texting you going, hey, I just wanna let you know that person, they're good they're really good. So um, it's just critically important. And then tell us about this.
1: Yeah. So the person answering the phone, it can make or break the perception of your practice. So again, when I always, and you'll, we'll talk about this throughout the webinar, but I encourage people to listen to phone calls, listen to your own phone calls with patients and the person answering the phone and the way in which they're conveying the message it's gonna be make it or break it. If, especially if it's a new patient who's nervous already and they're not sure about you, you, they have no trust, they're coming from nowhere. How welcome you make them feel and how confident you are in being able to meet their needs or at least let them feel that you'll be able to meet their needs is gonna be a yes or a no in terms of getting scheduled. Being warm, welcoming, professional, like they have to know that they're gonna be well taken care of. If we think about the majority of people who come to the dentist, most of them are not super duper excited about it, right? Right. Like we can all acknowledge that about what we've chosen to do as a profession. We hear all the time, I really hate having to come here. Or you hear your friends say, oh, I have to go to the dentist tomorrow. But if we can provide an experience or an environment and it starts on the phone with them feeling comfortable, confident, safe, secure, Like, oh, these people sound like they're going to take really good care of me. They sound so nice. Okay. I'm not quite as scared as I was before. So it totally can make it or break it. There is a question in the chat I'll answer really quick too, which is a great one. Is it okay to let it go to voicemail if you're with a patient? And that's a little bit of a loaded question, but I'll say this. It's so important to focus on the person that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the most important interaction that you're having in the moment. And if you're in the middle of presenting treatment, then absolutely, you need to have a a secondary person to answer the phone that's ready and prepared expectation wise to take that on if you're busy and if it's your primary responsibility, or Perhaps you have a concierge service or something that allows for it to go forward, but you make it very clear from expectations on that voicemail or with that service that we'll be getting back to you within a window of time. If you're just chatting with someone in the office, like there's a patient that you love and she's telling you about her shopping trip last week and you're done collecting payment, her next appointment's all set up. At that point, Yes, we want to say like, oh, my gosh, Jill, it's been so great chatting with you. I have a phone call coming in that I have to snag. Can't wait to see you next time on November 14th. But if you're in the middle of something, of course, like you have to have a backup plan, whether the backup plan is voicemail or not is unique to every specific office. But you do need a backup plan for when the phone is ringing and you're with a patient who's right in front of you.
0: Yeah. And now technology, this isn't what this is about, but there's a lot of VoIP technology in which something goes to voicemail and the new patient can get an automatic text. I get a lot of that from our current clients when I call the office and it'll say, we're on the phone with a current guest. Can I call you? Can we call you right? And I get, it's a text immediately. And I haven't even hung up the phone yet. It's pretty darn cool. You can also see the metrics behind it. So there are ways that you can mitigate some of those challenges. And then, you know, one of the big questions is how does it sound to be on the other side of your call?
1: Yeah. So I learned this at our global leadership summit as a leader, they were talking about, what is it like to be on the other side of you as a leader? And I'm like, Ooh, that's a really great question. And honestly, the same thing here, right? Imagine for just a moment, what it would be like to be on the other side of your phone call and think about what it is that you're trying to create as an experience for the caller and for the patient. And are you delivering that? And sometimes when you're listening to those calls, that's really the mindset that you want to be listening from is, okay, I'm a patient. Kind of what we tell people to come in and walk around the office like you're a patient, sit in the chair, look around from the patient's perspective. We do that with our environment, but let's do that as well with all of the patient experiences, starting with the phone. Let's listen to those calls and say like, what, what would it be like if I was the patient on the other end of this call?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you got to have somebody who's the director of first impressions, who's really good at it, and then we got to transition to skill number two, which is building rapport.
1: Yes. So trust is one of the most important things in dentistry. We know that without trust, we will not maintain patient patient loyalty. We're not going to have case or treatment acceptance. Um, we may not. We're not going to have referrals internal referrals, reviews, just in general, everything's based off of trust. Like we said before, uh, it's a vulnerable place to be. It's not everyone's favorite place to be. And so there's, it's kind of like taking your car to the shop and you're getting your oil changed. And it's like, well, you also need your timing belt and you also need your brakes are getting, and you're just kind of blindly trusting because it's the same thing. No one else knows what's going on in the mouth. They can't see what we see. So trust starts well before the patient gets in the chair. And so one of the key phrases that helps someone feel welcome and builds rapport right off the jump is, that is such a great question. Thank you for asking. Because it allows for them to go like, oh, okay. A lot of people are nervous about getting on the phone. And what am I going to say? What do I need to ask? Some people write it out. So if the first thing you respond with, I'm so glad you called. And then they, how can I help you today? And they ask a question and you respond with, that is a great question. Thank you for asking. Yeah, They're going to be so much more willing to trust in you to open up, to provide you with more information.
0: Yeah. And forget the phone. Like there are a lot of times I take a lot of CE and if I ask a question and somebody goes, that's a great, cause I'm not the smartest person. But when I say that's, I have a question and they go, that's a great question. A little bit of oxytocin goes through my yep. body. I'm like, wow, I actually feel halfway smart. I feel like they're <laughs> including me you know, I feel like I'm a little bit connected. So there is no such thing as a silly question. You wanna validate somebody's question because again, they're nervous to ask that, they're a little bit hesitant. And the thing that you have to understand about rapport that's really critical, all things being equal in the world, people always wanna do business with their friends. Even when they're not equal, we wanna do business with our friends. And in a world where I'm trying to find somebody to fix my refrigerator, Fix this, fix that. I'm always going to go to the person that I have the rapport with and that I have the trust with, even if they're most expensive, because I can't stand it anymore. And so that is critical. So trust is a huge piece of the rapport. So you got to be able to. And then active listening is a huge piece of this. Tell us what that is.
1: Yeah. So active listening is when you're listening to truly understand what is going on. So you'll hear people say like you heard me but did did you listen? Like you know. So sometimes we're going through the motions. We're just checking the boxes. Again, we're typing up the note from the patient who just left and finished checking out while we're on the phone and we're not fully engaged and focused in active listening with the patient that's calling us. And there's three stages or three A's to active listening that are a nice easy go-to. And the first one is attention you have to give your full undivided focused attention to the caller. They can tell when you don't, they can tell. If you call your friend who has three kids and she's shuffling kids back and forth to soccer and on the go, and you're on the phone, you can tell that she's not fully engaged in the story that you're telling her about what happened to you that day. She's distracted. And so the same thing happens in the office. If we're dividing our attention then they can feel it, they can hear it. And that's going to be a fail immediately in terms of building rapport. It's going to be a fir- the first break in that link of trust. So finding a way to give your full and undivided focused attention to the caller. A quick tip uh, from my own experience is just have a little notebook that sits right next to you. Yeah. And when that phone rings, you write down what you were doing. Yeah. This is what I was doing right now. And then when the call's done, you can come back. What was, what was I doing? Wait, again? There wait, it is. I was get-
0: I was just going to do this. So if you guys can hear. Oh,
1: I hate that.
0: I hate when I hear the
1: tap, 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 tap.
0: Like, come on, seriously. Like I'm telling you my life story and all I can hear is that you're typing back and forth. We hate it when people are typing. So I love the whole idea of writing it down because you can listen better. You can go where the patient wants to go. And the other thing that you're going to understand about typing, typing is not an active listening process. It's very much a left brain process. When you're opening up Dentrix and you're trying to fill in all those boxes, you're not really listening. You have your own agenda. You're like, I get I, name, last name, social security and phone number, blah, blah, tap, like,
1: tap, 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 tap. tap.
0: And let me give you another <laughs> hint. No one reads your notes anyway. <laughs> no one reads them. So so I love what you're saying, Marin. Have that little pad next to you and really ask them questions about what they've
1: said. Yes, absolutely. And the second A that goes into that is your attitude. Your current mood and mindset matters. And not that we can ask anyone to, that old adage of like, leave your personal thing at the door. Like we're people, we're human beings who have feelings, but we do have to have a way If I'm frustrated by something that was just happening or I just rushed in from lunch, uh, I can't pick up the phone and make it sound like I had a rough morning or that I just rushed in from lunch. Every time you answer the phone, you're on stage. We talk about being on stage. We talk about like the, the Disney way. We're all cast members when we're on the floor kind of thing. Same thing when you pick up the phone. The moment you pick up the phone, you have to have a mindset of I'm here to serve this person and I'm so glad they called. And if you tell yourself as you're picking it, I'm so glad this person's calling, just like that, you're going to be resetting your attitude and they can feel it in the same way that they can feel if they have your full and undivided attention or not.
0: Absolutely. And one more thing I'll just add about, I am a big fan of recording phone calls. So some dentists always ask that and not because you're going to be auditing all the phone calls or that you have to micromanage everything. There's something weird that happens in every dental practice when everybody knows the phone calls are being recorded. Everybody sits up a little bit straighter, everyone does their, it's just, there's a certain level of upping the game that just happens by knowing it's being recorded. Would you agree with that?
1: It is, it's accountability ultimately. And sometimes it's self accountability. And sometimes it's, if, if you're newer and you have someone training you, then it might be an external accountability, but just like anything else that we talk about in the practice and the benefits of accountability, that's what that is too. I'm a huge proponent, and we'll talk a little bit later about this, of self-evaluation and listening to your own calls and having a rubric that you're kind of measuring yourself against. Because somebody can tell me a million times that they don't think I'm doing good on the phone, but when I can hear it for myself, I always use the analogy of uh, photography. And if someone's taking photos and assistants taking photos during training and we're reviewing them and and they can see like, oh, you know, I was focused on the premolar, I should have been fo- focused on the lateral, my horizontal planes off, there's a cant in that image, or, or, it's, you know, it's not focused, something of that nature. That's amazing. We can work with that. You're right. The pictures were not great. But I love that you can see what would make them better. And it's the same thing on the phone. If I can hear it and say, you know, I, I sounded a little sleepy, or I didn't do a very good job of thanking them. Oh, my gosh, I didn't use their name one time on that call. That's different than like I think I sounded amazing. Now right. I might have a bigger
0: problem. Yeah. Love it. Love it. and tell us about adapting.
1: Yeah, you have to be able to adapt or shift gears to meet the the patient where they are. So this is where I talk about it's not about our agenda. When you just mentioned pulling up The box, the Dentrix box. It's not just filling out every cell in that box. That is not the purpose of the call. This call is going to sound different with every patient. Now, you might hit the same high notes throughout that call with every patient, but if we're actively listening to where that patient's wanting to go on the call and what their needs are, we're adjusting our attitude to make sure that we're there to serve them. Then we need to be able to also shift gears and go down the path that we need to go down to get them where they need to go. Another question that's in the chat that feeds into this a little bit because it speaks to that key phrase that we mentioned was it says in a previous environment, I was required to use or repeat the person's question back to them rather than using something like that's a great question, thanks for asking to show the caller that we're listening and to build trust. And I would say you could do both, right? You can still thank the person and tell them that it's a great question. And you'll see some of that in what we talk about coming up around uh, summary and confirmation. And did I hear you correctly? And just making sure that along the way that we're truly hitting all of the very important pieces for that patient. Yeah, I think it is important to thank them. We'll talk in a little bit about asking for permission. I think those things are really important pieces, but absolutely a key piece of active listening is summarizing or repeating back what you're hearing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you have to be empathetic, I I think one of the things that we have to do now, I'm a big fan of understanding the difference between empathy and sympathy in a dental practice. You have to teach your team the difference between both of them and empathy is critical. It's critical to the survival of your practice. Um, But you can't be overly sympathetic to when people say, you know, they're shame. I get it. Like they're upset. They're not proud. And sometimes their life circumstances aren't the best. But you have to remember, my job as a healthcare provider is to be extremely empathetic. And you're calling the right place. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you to know you're in excellent hands. I'm going to hand you off to our doctor and she's awesome. And you're talking to the right person. So the support piece is critical, don't you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, we are there to serve. That's, mm-hmm. that's We're in the healthcare service industry. And so ultimately what, when they call us, they're looking for support. They're looking to hear, I am so sorry that you're in this situation, but I've got you. Like you're in the, like, we're going to take care of this. And again, we talk about sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is like kind of looking down in the hole and going, I'm I'm so sorry you're in that hole. (laughs) But empathy is like climbing down in the hole and giving them a hug and going like, Dude, it really sucks that we're in this hole. Yeah. But you know what? I I know how I got down here. I can help us climb back out. And so Amen. if you climb down in that hole and you really put yourself in their shoes for a moment to understand where they're coming from, not to create bias within how you move forward later, right? To help them, but to say, like, I get it. And don't worry, we've got you. Come on, you can lean on me. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. And the future of healthcare is really good about. Advocacy, like being with people, being on their side, helping them through these challenges. So, um, and then you have to identify concerns and address them. You know, really, what does the patient really, really want and need? Not just what do you do?
1: Yes. Most of the time, what I hear with teams is think, you know, sure, let me get your insurance. When was the last time that you had a visit? It looks like you were in in october do you have any x-rays that you can send us all of that stuff is great information to have before someone comes in but the most important information that you're going to gather from someone is what is their concern what are they needing and wanting and how can we support that again it's not about my agenda it's about theirs they have something in mind when they're calling and we have to identify it if they don't say it out loud first if all their question is is you know, are you taking new patients? Do you take my insurance? That's not really why they're calling. They're not they didn't wake up and go like, "You know what I think I want to do today? Yeah. I want to make a dentist appointment." <laughs> No, there's something that drove them to make a dentist appointment. They noticed something, they felt something, they heard something, they read something. There's something else that drove that motivation to pick up the phone. And it's our responsibility to step aside from our our checklist and our agenda and really identify what that concern is and and help them to understand how we can help them get there.
0: Yeah. And I don't have this on the slide, but I think every office has got to find out why us and why now. We're pretty good at finding out why us, but a lot of times we don't find out why now. Like, okay, why now? Like my, one of my favorite is I just inherited a bunch of money and I want to get my teeth. That's that great. Kind of important to I've know. I always
1: wanted to redo my entire mouth, full mouth yeah. reconstruction. And I have this box of cash.
0: <laughs> right. Or this is a good one. My 20th reunion is right around the corner. You have to know why there's something that motivated them right this second to call. And I I talk
1: a lot about the buying cycle. Like we are, you know, we are selling a service. We're selling our practice and our doctor's skills and abilities. And in any service uh, before a purchase, it starts with the consideration phase. And so there's an awareness that happens first before anyone goes into consideration, right? If I'm going to buy a new washing machine, I don't just go like, I think I should buy a new washing machine. My old one had to have broken or it's not working as well or or something that created this awareness within me that I needed to start investigating finding a new washing machine. In the same way in dentistry, like I said, people don't just wake up (laughs) excited to call and make a dental appointment. Not many, some of us do. But usually there's an awareness that has occurred. So I often use the example because I've heard it so many times from patients of I'm out to dinner with my friends last week and it was really tough because they were all looking at the menu and they were so excited about what they were ordering. And I was actually getting a little nervous because I didn't see anything that I could eat on that menu without having discomfort. Or, you know, I knew that, you know, I have this partial that flops around when I'm eating. And I had to, like, I had to really limit myself on, and, and I couldn't enjoy the meal. And I just decided in that moment, I have to do something. And that awareness is the trigger. And if we don't find out that awareness piece and that emotional buy-in from our patient and what their concern is and what they, all I need to know is that you want to be able to go out to dinner and not even think about it and order anything you want on the menu. I got you. We can figure that out. There's a lot of different ways we can get you there.
0: That's powerful. And that takes somebody a lot to share that kind of information. So...
1: Which is why the rapport is so important, right? Right.
0: Amen. Third skill you yeah, have great, to develop. Confidence. Tell us about that.
1: You know, a key phrase number three here is yes, we do. We want to try to say yes, as much as possible. Sometimes you can say yes, even when it's no, we have to figure out how to get around that. Um, but we want to say, yes, we do. Are you taking new patients? Yes, absolutely. We're taking new patients. Do you work with my insurance? Yes, we sure do. And I'd love to explain to you how that works here in our practice do you guys uh, do implants? Yes, we absolutely do. Tell me a little bit more about what it is that you're, you know, looking for. So yes, we do is an immediate phrase that's going to help to build confidence. And if you say it with confidence, like you probably heard me just now my voice. Yes, yes, we do. That's different than Yeah, we we do that. Yeah, kind of. maybe. (laughs) Right. So it's not just what you're saying, it is how you're saying it. Uh, But that's, that's a big piece. Again, like you were saying earlier, if you're going to um, call a, a doctor or um, a dental office and they they sound a little wishy-washy, like I I think he's he's done crowns before, uh, I think I might keep calling around. I'm not sure that this is the place for me. Yeah. You have to have confidence.
0: Absolutely. So I, I think that's one of the things. And you also have to have trust in your doctor and the rest of the team too. So- confidence cannot be fake. It will yeah. only last in short spurts. And this is why you have to take really good care of your team because a lot of dentists are like, yeah, I mean, I train my team members. And then you can see the look on the de- on the headman's team. They're like, I, could, mm, I can't stand the person that I work for. So I think a big part of confidence is they got to believe in you. They got to believe in what we do. And that will often become more natural or instinctive when they're talking to other people about the practice
1: Such an important piece and if you put go ahead and pull up the bullets for this slide the other ones because I think they all tie into what you're just saying so oop, go back. there we go offering information that builds the caller's confidence in your practice sharing personal stories or other patients successes highlighting what you're really good at sharing unique certifications or credentials of your provider all of those things are so important but how does your admin team know those things if you don't show them or tell them in some capacity. When I look at sharing personal stories or patient successes, if that's only kept in the clinical area, and my administrative team doesn't know what's gone well with patients lately. We completed a case and no one up front has heard about it, seen seen it. We don't know what's going on. How do I know when I'm talking to someone on the phone that we kill it at veneers? And when we're talking about unique certifications and credentials, if a doctor, if you're going to COIS if, or if you're going and getting accredited, share it with your team, celebrate it explain to your team what that means. I worked for a doctor who was accredited with the AACD. He shared with us, hey, this is this is what I had to do. I had to right. do, like, it was a lot in order to get that accreditation. And then I felt so much more confident being able to tell people when they called what, what he accomplished and what he was gonna be able to do with that for them. Another thing is case studies, right? If you If you're having team meetings, which you should be having, Carving some time into your team meetings to take, show, show the whole team a case from start to finish to highlight what it is that we do here. Because a lot of times our administrative team members are not from a clinical background. And so they're just going off of like, I hear he's pretty good. But yeah. It's really our responsibility as leaders to make sure they're set up for success. And like you said, genuinely can express that confidence to the caller.
0: That's so funny you said that. Could you imagine going to a great restaurant and a server comes up really nicely dressed and says, you know, I think we got some kind of a fish tonight. I think it's good. And you go, have you tried it now? I've actually um, never
1: had anything to eat here.
0: <laughs> I've never had anything to eat here. So there's so many parallels that you can understand from that. Somebody, a great server can sell it right at the table that you're like, ooh, I gotta have that. And in a restaurant, just a little bit of insight in a restaurant, Anything sold really well at the table, 50% of the table will often order the special. So, you know, it's very important that when you have a team member, they got to be able to sell it. They have to understand it and they can convey. It's really about value. Eric, we have a question, really important question that just came through. Do you personally have any experience being in the restaurant industry? Oh, that's, that is, that is. That's question bait right there. I was That's a three a leading question. That was a I was a three-time employee of the month at Applebee's. And it's <laughs> one of my greatest accomplishments in college. We had no money. My dad made me work multiple jobs. And I learned a lot. And what I learned, you guys, I could talk for half an hour about my three, is that you create value at the table. You yep. create value at the table and it's supported by what happens after that. You don't have to like Applebee's to like the story or the story behind the story, but it's important um, in that. And the other thing too, just speaking about the hospitality industry, you find somebody who's been in hospitality, they're often gifted with a lot of these or trained with these things prior to even coming to a dental office. And so when it comes to like, you're gonna love what, I love this one. You know, you gotta use this key phrase. Talk about this one. You're gonna love Dr. Awesome.
1: You are going to love Dr. Awesome. Now, again, you don't have to take this like exactly to the word, But the concept of this phrase is what means so much to me. You can, you can customize it to what it is that that person is saying. So maybe someone's calling and telling you that they're looking for a new practice. They were with their last provider for 40 years. He was the nicest person. He really, he knew my kids' names. He really took such good care of me. They even sent me flowers when my wife passed away. And you're going to go, you are going to love Dr. Awesome. He has such a strong relationship with all of our patients here. He even attended a patient's son's wedding last year, whatever the situation may be. If you want to tie it in to what it is that they're looking for in a provider. If they say, I am I really struggle with maintaining. I don't go regularly because it takes so much time. Uh, the last doctor that I worked for ra- or went to ran behind so much. I just, I have to find someone new. I have a very busy schedule. You are going to love Dr. Awesome. One of the things that Dr. Awesome really does here in this practice is make sure that we are on time and that we respect your time. You're going to love him for that.
0: Yeah, it's powerful. And uh, I'll give you my favorite one I've ever heard. I heard a team member say this. I work for an amazing dentist, but she's an even better human being. You're going to love her. I love that because it speaks to more than teeth. It speaks to a character. It speaks Mm -hmm. to a core that's bigger than anything your patients will experience. So make sure you, you have somebody who's able to say that on the phone. I like incredible, awesome, you know, fantastic. You can use a combination of any of those. I mean,
1: you're in the right hands. You know, yeah. in the end, it's just you're you're in the right hands. What you're I looking for it. is exactly what we do here.
0: Love it, love it. And so, communication techniques are important. You have to constantly develop this. This is actually one of my favorite. And I'm so mad. Like I've worked with you for a while, for a long time now, and she shared this in our to the top study club, and I'm like, that's crazy, brilliant. Tell us about name num number, <laughs> number knowledge.
1: It's it's really just the top three things when you're on the phone with a caller. Um, I often relate this to a new patient call, but ultimately it can be any call. I need to know who I'm talking to. So first off, what, you know, what's your name? So I always say again, thank you for calling Dr. Austin's office. This is Miranda. You know, who am I speaking with? May I ask who I'm speaking with? Joe, Joe, I'm so glad that you called. Do you mind sharing your number with me, Joe? I want to make sure I have that information. Correct. I always say, don't say in case we get disconnected. That's what most people say, which implies We might have something going on over here, some shortcomings, when we get disconnected with people. It's just get their name so that you can use it. And we're going to talk about using it repeatedly. Get their number because things do happen. You get busy, you get going with your call, you get to the end and you're like, oh my gosh, I scheduled them and I didn't even get their phone number. It's a very important piece of information. So get their name, get their number. And then the key is go right into knowledge not knowledge about their dental history or knowledge about their x-ray history or about their insurance plan knowledge about who they are and what their expectations are for a visit with you so one of the easiest things to ask someone is just what are you hoping to achieve at your first visit with us like joe thank you so much for calling Do you mind sharing your number with me? Or you can even say, because now we have it on our VOIPs most of the time, like the number I see here is yada, yada. Is that correct? Great. So tell me what it is that you're calling for today and how I can help you best. Just something open-ended that helps to identify that concern. What was the awareness? What's the motivation for their call? Something aside from those logistical components that we usually jump right into. It's that emotional buy-in piece that we're looking for here.
0: Yeah. Now this is actually one of my favorite pieces of the webinar. Don't skip over this. This is super brilliant. If you can use this framework, because in our last to the top study club, one of the questions came up is like, how do I strategically schedule as PPOs are flooding my phones? And I still have these fee for service patients trying to call and trying to get in while they're getting pushed further and further and out. So PPO my practice is going to be overtaken by these patients because the volume is so big. And this is for another webinar, another session. But when you follow what Miranda has shared, name, number, knowledge, instead of saying, why are you calling? What insurance do you have? You're, you're succumbing to the pressure of those calls. And now you're left to whatever calls come in because your team members have been trained, get them all in. And so now you look up and you're like, holy moly, my schedule's all PPO. You can go slow enough and then you can find the time slot for this person. This might be somebody who needs comprehensive dentistry soon, right away, and now you can strategically schedule. Now, there's a whole bunch of questions that'll come from that. what I'm gonna offer this is this framework, stick to it. And what you'll be able to do, my point is this, you'll be able to choose where they best fit in the practice and what time slot if you go slow enough and you're intentional enough.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the big piece is it people, the question that's going to come from that is, well, they're going to ask about their insurance right off the jump, probably. So we're going to answer and then come back to knowledge. Great question. Thank you so much for asking that question. I have all the information that you're going to need to understand how your insurance will work here. What's most important to me first is understanding you and who you are and what you're going to need from us, because I want to make sure we're the right fit. So let's talk about that just a little longer. I made a note here that that's important to you. We're gonna come right back to your insurance, I promise. Love it. Take it and set it to the side. We're not discarding the concern or the question. We're just gonna set it over here until we really get where we need to go. We need to use clear and concise language. Um, Really important to mirror their communication style and speed. I talk about DISC often and love incorporating DISC and personality styles into how we communicate with patients. But if you aren't trained in DISC, if you don't even know what I'm talking about right now when I say DISC, one of the easiest things to do to modify how you communicate to your patients in their style is to just listen to how they're communicating with you. If they're upbeat and talking fast and moving forward, then you need to elevate and talk a little faster and be engaged and bubbly. If they're talking really slowly and you can tell they're taking time between questions and answers to think and process, then you better slow down too and give them the time that they need to think and process. So just listening to their tone, their pace and their their speed of communication and then mirror that. If I'm on a call with someone who's nervous, who's a very analytical thinker and I'm a boisterous, energetic person, it can scare them away. So we wanna like listen for that and then start to shift and adapt, right? We talked about the three A's earlier, adapt a bit to, to mirror their tone. Yeah. And we want to stay positive. Let's have a positive tone and a positive attitude. They can hear it. This is what I mentioned earlier. They can hear it if you're frustrated. They can hear it if you're distracted. They can hear it if someone just made you mad. So it's important to purposefully pay attention to where you are uh, with your energy and try to adapt and shift when you need to. If you catch yourself, just fix it right there in the moment.
0: Love it. I love it. And a key phrase in this oh, skill, phrase
1: number five. Thank you, please, and may I. So I'm from the South and manners are very important. You don't have to say sir and ma'am. We don't have to go that far, but we do want to express gratitude. We do want to say please, and may I is so important. I think we overlook in all aspects of the dental office, the asking for permission. I think that Uh, I use this phrase information receptacles quite often that patients are just information receptacles, right? Like this bin that's overflowing with all this information that we're dumping in that they may or may not even want. And so if we stop first and we ask them, may I share something with you that might help you with that? And we're getting permission. They are now opening themselves up And they're not going to be as closed off and defensive and skeptical of whatever comes next. So thank you, please. Those are common courtesies. And then I love may I from the standpoint of asking for permission.
0: Yeah. And I love team members even say with your permission, may I do this? And it's a great lead in to those phrases. So critically important. I I love the manners thing. It's crazy that we have to teach that now, but it's, it's true.
1: We do. Well, we have to do it. We were just talking about that with our kids and people walking in the door behind them. And it's like, stop and hold the door for the person behind you. Right. (laughs) That's common courtesy.
0: (laughs) Right. And then this one comes up a lot. This is very important in using somebody else's name repeatedly.
1: Yes. I think this one, this is part of what ties into number one and where the name comes in first introducing yourself. So they know your name and then learning their name and using it throughout the conversation it customizes and makes them feel so important and so special. You don't want to do it so excessively that it feels awkward, but we do want to say again, Joe, as I shared, such and such. Okay, Joe, I have one more thing to tell you before we wrap up today. All right. So we have you scheduled on November 14th. Joe, is that date secure with you? Did you mark it in your calendar? The more we use that person's name and customize, they don't feel like just a number right? It's back to them feeling like you know, it's norm for those right. of you that are of my generation.
0: <laughs> right. Pretend for a second that you're talking to me. I have the attention span of a gnat. So like, I can tell you what's important to me, but when you say Kirk, it brings me back <laughs> to what, what are you saying? Cause like, I could be distracted with my phone going off, other things going on. It brings my brain right to yep. you right away. Okay. Yes. hundred so. percent.
1: And I think it's important to have loose scripting. We're not huge fans at act of like real scripting. We like to have communication alignment within teams and it's specifically within departments so that we all are saying the same things generally the same way. So when I say loose scripting, I don't want you to sound like a robot. I don't, you know, where you call an IT person and you can tell that, oh, she said this, let me switch to that screen. Yes, ma'am. Such (laughs) no, no robots. We want it to still be you uniquely communicating, But there's a framework that we're going to follow. And that's where you talked about having something to write on. It's great to have a call form. I I have a new patient call form, an emergency call form, whatever it may be. Something that you can have to go, I'm checking all the boxes. So it's this loose um, framework boundaries scripting over here. But I'm still going to talk distinctly and adapt in the call how I need to.
0: Love it absolutely love it. And then you got to ask the right questions. I would say this, I want you to explain this, but I always tell people the the question is the answer. Don't always get good at answers. Get really good at what We need answers, but I I would start with really great questions first and open-ended questions. Can you explain what an open-ended question is?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) it's It lends itself to a one-word
0: answer. It's a one-word answer. You you
1: asked me a closed question. It was, that was a test. So, I did. Yes, give us and- <laughs> an
0: example of what an open-ended question is. See, now she has to answer with an good entire <laughs> paragraph. You like that? See, I'm a slow learner, but that was pretty, that was pretty quick of, of you.
1: Yeah, that was good. So yes, I could give you an example. So an open-ended question is going to be something that cannot result in a yes or no answer. So it's going to start with something like what or how or why. Um, tell me more is such an easy phrase that leaves at open end for them to kind of extend the paragraph of whatever it is that they're telling you. So it's really important to have. So I mentioned earlier that the first question you may ask is what are you expecting out of your first visit with us? Like that's a wide open question that can go pretty much anywhere and they're going to say something and then you're going to say, tell me. More.
0: So there you have it. That's the first part of this great webinar. I hope you guys enjoyed it and again, please share this with your team members. And if you want the video copy, you can find that in the show notes and go to our website so you guys can watch it as a team meeting. Join us in the next episode where we go through part 2 of the top 10 phone skills for tackling the toughest patient questions. Hope you guys have a good day.